traveling, even if it's just like an hour away and being in a different setting and just hanging out with different people, that is medicine. And I, you don't even know that you need it until you're actually getting it. You're listening to Let It Out. I'm Katie. Welcome. This week, I spoke with visual artist Camilla Ingstrom. You probably know Camilla and her bright, colorful paintings. She is my favorite painter, my favorite artist right now. And you might also follow her on Instagram where you would find her occasionally, if you're lucky, dancing in front of a large canvas or a large painting. She's sparkly. She's warm. She's sweet. She's gentle. She's very grounded. And she's sort of this magical person who has so much talent and kindness. And I got to speak with her this week and you're about to hear that. I learned a lot about how she spends her days and it really helped me. And I plan to adopt some of her patterns and habits and routines that I think make her so productive and successful. And of course, her talent and skill make her so successful. But it was really cool to hear her talk about how she protects her creative time so then she can be playful and free around that. And that's something I'm going to try to give a go myself. And I haven't started yet because we just recorded this conversation yesterday safely in person in my apartment. And she's so easy to talk to. And we had a lot in common that we ended up talking for nearly three hours. And since we were in my home, I let my role as podcast host go and I just let the time continue. You're, you know, as the person asking the questions and interviewing, it's kind of on me to keep the time. And I just didn't. I let it go and I figured, you know, maybe we'll edit it. And, you know, usually if you're new here, usually this podcast is quite long (laughs) and I plan to maybe edit this one down. But as I was listening back to it, I found it all fascinating from her upbringing in Sweden to moving to Shanghai and then to New York and eventually hearing about her coming here to LA and hearing about her art and her influences and her creative process and her style and spirituality. And I was enjoying it. So what I decided to do instead of just taking it and cutting it down is keeping it raw and putting it into two parts. So this will be a two-part series. You'll hear today the first half, and then next week you'll hear the second half. So there won't be the traditional format of the rapid fire questions at the end today because you'll hear those next week. So this week we cover her upbringing in Sweden and this small town and her parents have this fascinating story. And then she moves to China, like I said, and then eventually her unplanned move to the U.S. and 
we talk about the importance of letting it out and therapy and emotional dumping. And we get into, like I said, her creative habits and routines and process. We talk about her meditation and journaling practice here. We talk about her art influences and we get into a lot in this part of the conversation and I'll chime in after to let you know what we cover next time. But both halves of this conversation are, are potent enough with, you know, a range of topics. So like I said, it's long. So let's get to it as soon as possible. And I'll speak to you at the end. I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, welcome. Okay, Camilla, thank you so much for being here. You are an incredible artist. And I always say this to Christine, but truly, I think you're one of the great artists of our generation. Oh my God. Thank <laughs> a lot you. of pressure. But you're also so humble and calm and unique and obviously beautiful. Christine just did your makeup, but even, <laughs> even on the day when you're when you're not in a full Aww, makeup. Thank you. Um, but what I really admire about you in the hanging out with you is how unapologetically yourself you are. And you're that way in your work too, in what I see on the internet. And I think that that, yeah, I, I want to get into that today. It's, it's just something I really admire about you. And I listened to you today on some other shows to prepare. And I heard you say that you found your footing as an artist later, but you seem to me so young for how prolific you are. So I want to go back to to talk about how you got to there and what you were like growing up, but I kind of want to start in the middle. So how are you feeling today? What's been on your mind? <laughs> uh, well, Mercury's in retrograde. Yeah, and we um, thought that the, it wasn't recording for <laughs> several minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel great. I'm excited about this year. I I feel like I've been okay being this isolated and I'm just so happy that I've been okay with that. I would, it's just like, I've just really realized that I have really great friends. Like, uh, I mean, we both know Christine. She's amazing. But also with work, I feel like I have like a routine down. So I've, yeah, I've just been working. I mean, definitely been feeling a little uninspired today because <laughs> just Mercury retrograde makes me just tired and like not that inspired it always happens I don't know why maybe I'm just like making it up in my head but yeah I don't know what it is it's funny I I never usually like I hear about mercury retrograde and I'm kind of like you know okay whatever yeah. but today I felt incredibly out of it low yeah. energy Same. off like I woke up in the morning and had to lay down for a few yeah, minutes same same strange I was just in bed for like hours this morning and that's not like me that's so Maybe interesting it's just like not just me then yeah 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 have you always felt connected to the planets and your body and you know spirituality not until I moved to LA yeah I think I was like in New York I started to get into it a little bit but it wasn't until I moved here that I was like, I really had time to like slow down. I started to like meditate. I started to spend more time in nature. 
yeah, just like connecting with myself. I think that's something I didn't want to do in New York because that was too scary. And I think here it's like all I want to do. I just want to go deeper and like, I don't know, like spend hours meditating, like go for long walks. Like just like I'm really, I'm just like not scared of what's going on in my head anymore. But in New York, I was terrified. So I never wanted to like dive deep mm. or like know anything about myself really. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's like I, I always say that about writing and I think maybe art in any form that's authentic and and connected to you or meditating or journaling, it puts a mirror up in your face that you have to face yourself and it's very uncomfortable. And I think on the other side of discomfort often is growth and at least self-awareness. But I think things that help me, I both fear and crave in equal measure. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. intimacy, right? Like to yeah. be seen by someone else. Like yeah, I want, scary. but I fear in equal measure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. No, I'm, that's something I'm like struggling with. I think yeah. being, letting myself being fully seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to go back a bit, but one thing that you said about quarantine is you said you're surprised about how okay you've yeah. been. What do you think contributed to that? I think knowing that my close friends are really amazing people, that has really helped. And I, didn't, I don't think I have had that in the past. And just knowing that, like, I had someone to hang out with that was available. Like, I didn't feel so lonely. And I think that saved me. And also knowing that, like, because I can only imagine, like, being isolated or in lockdown and realize that the person you're dating or whatever is not the right person for you. And you're, Ugh. like, stuck together. And oh you're just, God. like, thinking that you have to write it out. Because, like, what else are you going to yeah. do? And, I, yeah, I've been really lucky that I've... Instead of like thinking about like who I need to let go of that is in my close circles, I've just been like focusing on like who do I just want to like mm. know even better and like really hang out with and have friend dates with. And I think I really realized that I'm, I love hanging out in small groups anyway. Um, and uh, I need a lot of alone time and I don't feel bad about it. Like, now I have an excuse yeah. um, to really spend time for myself. And I think that has been amazing. I mean, of course, there are times where I'm like really frustrated and I miss my family and I want to move or whatever. But um, but yeah, I thought it was going to be worse. And luckily, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Even though I've, I've had months that were terrible, like it's still, I always like, yeah, it could have been worse. And no, yeah. it was pretty good. I've had a lot of like positive self-discovery happening. Yeah. So that, yeah, it was good. I feel that way too. Like I'm, this could have gone a different way. I could have <laughs> been in New York. I could like yeah. all these things that I'm pretty grateful of how this shook out yeah. for me. And I, I like what you said of, I think that's a really good practice in every area of life to focus on. Instead of focusing on what isn't working, I'm trying more it's hard some days but I'm trying to focus on what is working and I think that rises to the top and grows instead of like there are lots of things to that aren't working but there are a couple of things that are so in, instead of wor worrying about the ones that aren't why don't I just double down on what is 
and and allow that to grow and crowd out the other things. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to survive this life. I mean, I I'm also I'm like I'm not really scared of painful times because I know that like that's when you do the most growth, mm-hmm. like you grow the most during those times. Yeah. So I kind of embrace it. Yeah. And as long as like no one in my family is sick or no one close to me is sick or I'm okay. And I've been really lucky with that. So Yeah. So you mentioned you need a lot of alone time. Yeah. And you like hang out in small groups. What were you like as a kid? Were you like that as well? Did you grow up with siblings and kids around? Yeah. I'm the oldest of my siblings. I have two younger ones, but I also grew up with two step-siblings too. They're not my step-siblings anymore, but yeah, I was always the oldest one. And that kind of like that dynamic also happened in my friend group because my friends were one year younger than me. (laughs) How did that happen? They were just my neighbors. So like I only hung out with my neighbors growing up. This is when I was really young, like 10 years old or younger. But like, yeah, my first like friend group, they were all one year younger than me. So I felt really old. Mm-hmm. And you were the cool. Yeah, I was the cool kid. older. So I was yeah. like, I was kind of, maybe I was a little bossy. I don't know. I just, I wanted, I felt like I was like the big sister in my friend group too. And I always like, I was very protective of everyone. And I always like, we, we, we just played so much. But I would always, like, come up with stuff to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was very confident with my friends. Like, yeah, it was a good start mm. of, like, I don't know. Because then after that, like, once I started, to, like, having to, like, m- make friends in school and stuff, I had n- I was so insecure. Like, I didn't know what to do, really. Like, because yeah. I was so used to my friends. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious because, like, I mean, I, I have kind I'm still kind of talking to one of the girls that I grew up with oh, cool. so I'm, I'm curious like what her view is yeah. on it but I mean we still talk every now and then so I don't think I was that terrible <laughs> I was just like no. I was just like the big sister that yeah just, and like I remember like I just had so much fun I loved having neighbors I lived in an apartment building and we just leave our doors open and just like and I would be like, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Like, let's play. Like, I didn't want it. Like, I just wanted to be the next day. Like, every time I went. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's was so like, beautiful. Yeah. It was incredible. And then after that, it just went downhill. But that was uh-huh. like, I really cherished those memories. Wow, that sounds so idyllic. Yeah, idyllic? Idyllic. Yeah. Yeah. Idyllic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is in a small town yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. Called Örebro. That's like where I grew up. And it was sort of like a hippie community. I mean… They were old hippies, so they weren't really hippies anymore. It's not like we all shared a kitchen, but there was like one big sort of like… Communal. Yeah, there was a communal kitchen if we wanted to cook together. Oh, nice. So we could like do… But it was like more like you had to schedule it and stuff. Yeah. Um, But that happened and we would I would throw all my birthday parties in that space. And I remember like the women would like… were really into like dyeing like textiles and weaving oh, and amazing. stuff we should it sounds like us now <laughs> yeah I know I'm like I don't know how my well I know why my dad and my mom like ended up there because my grandfather my dad's dad was like a little bit not a hippie but like he loved that kind of lifestyle so he like invited my dad and my mom 
to move into that house because or that complex because he like knew that it was just such a great way for a kid to grow up so yeah I lived there until I was 10 and then I moved to Stockholm and then everything just went downhill from there wait let's let's stay in this small town for yeah a minute. so this grandfather is this the one that you're really close with yes so he passed away when I was around 10 but like growing up with him like he lived right next door like I wouldn't leave his side like he was like basically like an extra parent wow. like he was just the best and he really supported your art yes that was like the first time I fully felt seen. I think my parents like not being really creative at all. Like, I mean, they appreciate it, but yeah, they just couldn't see that I was like really into like drawing. And and I think my grandfather just saw that really early on and, and would always like encourage me and like give me compliments and like little things here and there that like yeah. I think is like really important for kids yeah, to hear. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And I think for for everyone, I think it doesn't hurt <laughs> to have yeah. words of affirmation, but I think there are particular ones of us that that really can make or break, you know, yeah. that that's our love language. And I'm so happy that you had that. So when he died, was that really significant for you? Yeah, that was like... Tra very traumatic mm -hmm. for me but I think it was so big and like I couldn't like wrap my head yeah. around it that like I didn't want to go to his funeral like I didn't want to go to the hospital when he was like everyone saying goodbye to him I was just like no this is stupid like I was so angry and like the night he died I was just like with my friends and we were gonna like camp in my friend's backyard and I was like no, we're sticking to our plan. Like, we're still going to, like, camp in the back. disassociating. Yeah, I was even just, like, I could not oh. even deal with it. And, like, at his funeral, like, I didn't want to wear black. I, like, I was so angry. And, like, I think it, like, I didn't know then that I was mourning, but it was, like, a child's way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Oh. So do you feel like you're still connected to him now? Yeah. I mean, I feel his presence every day and I, I talk to him almost every day wow. but there are times where I'm like it's a little exhausting I'm like every day really like wow. <laughs> I need a, need a break it's really cool yeah but I mean I remember I it was more when I was younger like I would talk to him all the time and like just be like what do you think about this thing like basically like talking to myself but talking to him yeah. um and uh just like asking him for like blessings and stuff wow. which is funny because like I didn't grow up in like where you talk to your ancestors like that yeah. wasn't really something you did so I it was I was very sneaky with my behavior like I didn't tell anyone about because I used to be so scared of flying like every time I would go mm -hmm. flying I would be like no, Grandpa. Like I know you're watching over me. <laughs> like Can you little things like yeah. Like when I was a kid, like I would do things like that. Yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, I feel I I feel his presence, but it's um, sometimes I I do feel like it's a little much. Uh, I go in and out. Yeah. Wow. So does he inform your art at all? Yes. I mean. Um, I mean, he was the reason I became an artist. Wow. Because he always told me, like, growing up, like, 
oh, I could really see you being an artist. And I was like 10 years old. And I was like, that sounds like the worst idea ever. I, wa- I wanted to be a fashion designer. That sounds like, that sounded cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, like, not even thinking about it, like, once I made the decision to become an artist or a painter, I was like, oh, shit, this is what he wanted. I was like, he did this to me. <laughs> like, this so one, cool. I had no control over this. So, I mean, yeah, he's definitely the reason. And I don't know how else, like... I know he, like, loved being outside and, like, painting outside and stuff because he also liked to paint um, and write. So maybe, like, it is it is my happy place. And I think, I think it's because, like, the memories I have with him, like, going outside and, like, painting and stuff in nature. I think, like, just knowing that, like, now whenever I paint, like, I never associate it with being, like, something painful it's like it's just joy which i think is good and i think he helped me like create those memories that's so cool okay i have several questions about him do you have any of his paintings yeah i mean at my dad's house i mean i have i could have brought them here but when i left new york like i was so worried that they would get lost. I don't know. I just sent yeah. them back to my dad's house again because I was like, these are like so precious yeah. to me. Um, yeah, it's like, I I think like, it's, it's better that I just have them in storage with my dad for now until I have like a place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to yeah. settle down here and, and hang some art. But yeah, I'm like, I'm so, I get so emotional when I see them. So I think it's best that they're just with my dad for, for now until I know where to... Yeah. Where I'm going to stay for a long time. When you go back to your dad's, will you send me a photo? Oh, yeah. I want to see. Yeah, totally. Were you close with any of your other grandparents? This is your dad's dad. Um, no, I mean, I was close with my grandma, but my grandma was so... I mean, first of all, she was definitely on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of hard to connect with her. She pretty recently passed away. I mean, she was sick for a long time, so I wasn't really able to connect with her. Like, I mean, I was able to connect with her, but not the same way for a few years. But I was close with her, but it wasn't like that connection. You had yeah, I was more just like her grandkid. I yeah. think with my grandfather, like he really saw me also as like a buddy. Yeah, even though I was so little. But yeah, like me and my grandfather would like record like radio sh- like we would play and i and i know my grand my grandfather loved to play like yeah. that was his he was just wired that way but i think with my grandma she was just like a little bit more reserved reserved a little bit more quiet so i think like i just actually when she passed away i felt was what a force mm-hmm. she is and i think sometimes that happens like someone dies and you're like left with the essence of them Mm -hmm. and you realize her work is continuing like I feel her presence too and that's my dad's mom but then on my Chinese side my mom's parents were they in China yeah I didn't really know my grandma that well my maternal grandma but me and my Chinese grandfather were super close but it's also hard to be close when someone lives so far away. Yeah, of course. 
but he wasn't he didn't he was just like a safe mm -hmm. loving person it wasn't like it wasn't like a huge influence other than just like loving and warm yeah, yeah. so your mom is chinese as we mentioned your dad is swedish how did they meet uh, <laughs> they met in china my dad was on like a father-son trip and they met on a boat wow and um i think it was very uh, just uh, attraction because uh -huh. i don't think they could communicate back then really because my mom i mean my mom didn't speak english and yeah i think they just like fell for each other wow. um and then my dad went back to sweden and they just kept writing to each other and my dad would have i mean in the beginning my dad had to have the letters translated <gasps> at a chinese restaurant wow yeah because my mom was like I mean, she like barely went to high school. Like writing for her was just, yeah. She could only deal with Chinese. So yeah, he went to a Chinese restaurant to have a translate. And then finally he was just like, hey, can you just find someone that can write this in English? Because this is like super embarrassing. And she did. She found like a friend who was like a student who like, yeah, she studied English. So I think she started to write, oh my God, I wish I had these letters. Anyway, and then my dad went back to China to live with my mom. I don't know. He just went for it. Wow. And lived with my mom for a few months. And they made me. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my mom came back to Sweden, like with my dad to Sweden, like four months pregnant. And I think everyone was like, what the hell? Except for my grandpa. He was like, Oh, hell yeah. yeah he was so excited he was oh, like this wow. is so exciting something exciting happening in a boring family yeah were they pretty young yeah i think they were like 26 i mean back then they were probably old yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but yeah 26 27 wow. something like that yeah wild so then um so then your your mom ends up learning swedish she is a chef and and owns a restaurant now. Yeah. So did that did that start back then? Um, I think my mom was like in the beginning. She was a stay at home mom. She was miserable, and I think like a lot of stuff happens with between twenty seven and thirty. I yeah. mean, she was just like so done. Like she she didn't like sign up for this. She like, left her country and she her left life her country, and then like she started dating and have a had a child with someone who was like kind of still in school because in china she had like a wealthy not wealthy but he was like doing okay like his boy her boyfriend and she had like a pretty good lifestyle and then she just gave all that up to with, be with my struggling dad and she just like couldn't take well, she doesn't it speak the language i can't yeah. even imagine she just felt super baby. isolated yeah. yeah and she wasn't ready to be a mom like i think when she got pregnant with me she was just like oh hell no yeah. <laughs> like i did not like growing up like i did not really feel her like love because mm -hmm. i think the whole time there was like a resentment because mm -hmm. like you know it's a huge responsibility of course and i think like yeah she just wasn't ready and she was too young and so finally she was just like left my dad she was this miserable was 10 uh probably like six or something like that she left my dad and she immediately met a guy who, like, 
wanted to like get a restaurant or something. And that's how she started. Like, because she, wow. she wanted to be like an independent business woman, like making her own money. Yeah. And my dad thought that she would just do something more chill, yeah. <laughs> less risky. Yeah. Um, but my mom loves risk. Like, she wow. loves gambling. She loves really? drinking. She loves men. <laughs> like, wow. It's very different from my dad. Wow. Um, yeah. So she, yeah, she moved to Stockholm and just started her wild life. And then, event, and you stayed with your dad in yeah. the small town and then and eventually went there when you were 10? Um, yeah. And then we moved to Stockholm when I was 10. With your dad? With my dad. Because I think my dad was just like, we just need to be a little close to your mom just to, because it was like too much work for him to be like a single dad. But I think, I mean, yeah, it was, it was hard. Like I didn't want to move. I, I had such a safe yeah. little bubble. That and your grandfather living. there. Yeah. I mean, that, and I think also when he passed, I kind of like, I was okay with like just moving because yeah. it was just like. He was your best friend. Yeah. And I think also like, I knew it was just time to like grow up and like not be in the yeah. in the same pattern that I'd been. Like I knew it was going to be painful, but I had to like explore something yeah. new. Yeah. Was their divorce difficult for you? Not the divorce, but all the fights before was like insane. Like I felt like the roof was going to fly off. Like they were just fighting so much. And like my therapy would be like drawing on the wall. Like I would like draw a whole village. Like me and my brother would just be like stress drawing on the wall because they just, and they think that like. So you have a younger brother during these years. Yeah. And he, he took it. Like that was terrible for him. I don't mm-hmm. think if he went to therapy now, he would. That would be the first thing he would bring up their divorce. Because I think like when when you're that young, like he was only three and he was so attached to my mom or our mom, and she left, and I was more attached to my dad. So I was just kind of like whatever. But yeah. for him, it was like oh my god, like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, therapy, that would probably be the first thing. Like, I I can still see how it affects him. Oh, like, are you close with your brother? I am close, yeah. Yeah, not like super, super close, but I know him very well. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in Sweden? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's in Sweden. So after you are in Sweden, you're in Stockholm, and then you eventually decide to move to Shanghai to learn about your mom's culture how did you make that choice and what was mm. that like for you I used to go to China a lot as a as a kid I think like once you have roots somewhere else that like you want to go back and explore it it's just I think it's very human and I think for me it, it was a way for me to understand my mother but also like why I didn't feel like I fit in in Sweden I mean, I know I'm Swedish and like, I know a, a lot A lot of Americans probably would say like, oh, she's acting like such a Swedish person. But but yeah, I just didn't feel like I, I fit in and um, I just wanted to explore that. So I just, yeah, I went to Shanghai for a year and I just took like some Chinese classes and and did some modeling on the side and yeah, I went there with um, my ex-boyfriend or my first like love, like the Swedish guy. We went there together and we sort of like explored. And I, I was like explaining the culture to him. And 
it was just nice to have like someone there with me, like going through all of that. Um, and he ended up like returning every now and then. Uh, and then his Swedish like best friend moved there too. So I felt like I opened a door for yeah. him too. I love Shanghai. Like I love going back. Like I'll take any reason to go back. But it's yeah, it was it, it was still like very hard. Like China is so different, and um, modeling at that time was weird. But yeah, I had to make money. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then eventually you decide to leave there and study fashion and end up in New York at FIT. What can you bring us up to that? Uh, yes. So I was in China. I took like some sewing classes on the side because I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. Like that idea that I had since I was 10, like never left me. So I was applying to fashion schools like all over Europe. Like I only wanted to stay in Europe. I wanted to go to the most fancy artsy fashion school that I could find so there was one in Belgium like two in London one in Sweden and I applied to all of them I didn't get in and I was I told I, I had met an American girl there in China in China and I told her that I didn't get into the schools I wanted and she was like but what about FIT and I was like no I don't want <laughs> I had no plan to go to the U.S. like I never wanted to visit U.S. was just like this crazy country that I would never, ever visit. That's so funny. And then finally I was like, well, I also don't want to go home, go back to Sweden and like work in a retail shop. Like I, I didn't want to do that. I mean, I did that <laughs> for six months while I was applying to school in New York. I was working at a clothing store. But yeah, I applied to FIT. I got in and I took a language test. I passed. And I got my visa, and then I landed in Newark, got scammed by the cab driver, <laughs> stayed with my friend from China for, like, a few days until he was like, you cannot stay here the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> but I'm scared. Like, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. Like, don't leave me. <laughs> oh, my God. New York is a very overwhelming place. Yeah, and I was, like, in Upper Upper East Side. Oh, I don't know. I was so confused. What year is this? This is, like, 2011. Okay. Like right after the snowstorm. And I remember I arrived at FIT and I was like, sign up for classes. I was so confused. Like, you have to sign up for classes? Like, that you don't have to do that in Europe. And <laughs> so I arrived and they were like, oh, classes started yesterday. And I was like, okay, so like, where's my schedule? And they were like, well, you have to sign up for classes. And I was like, what? And then I had to, and they, I don't, I think they were just like, who is this girl uh -huh. <laughs> and they helped me sign up for classes and I was like I was like I don't even want to take like art history I was like I just want to study fashion but there were like mm -hmm. all these like extra things I had to take and yeah I was just very unhappy already but then classes started and I had a notebook and I remember like my professor she would like show us like like how to make a suit or whatever. And she would talk so fast and I would try to like write it down. I would be so stressed out because like the language, everything was just new. Yeah. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone because I like my English was terrible. Yeah. It was just like, I remember I, I, yeah, I was so lost, but I just knew that I had to go through it. Yeah. Somehow. Sounds like it had to be, feel really lonely. Oh, I was so lonely. Like when I look at, 
because I had like a little Mac and I photo booth, you know, yeah. <laughs> that we used yes. all the time. Yeah. And I remember I have like those photo booth yeah. pictures from back then. And I was like, damn, like, because you see a picture <laughs> and you remember like what mood you yeah. were in and how you're feeling. I was like, I was so lost and so young, but I knew I was going to be okay. But yeah, I was like, thank God I'm not going through that oh, again. Man. So you finish at FIT and then yeah. you end up working in fashion. You worked at J. Crew. I remember you telling me, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then eventually you make the decision that you want to leave that and paint. What? Tell us about that whole um, time I think like working in fashion it was just like trauma after trauma I think it's such a stressful environment and there's so much demand on the fashion industry and fashion houses to have like because I was a common client uh, runway too for a little bit and I think there was just so much pressure on like creating like the latest trend and like what are people gonna buy what do they want to desire so there were always new collections like I couldn't even keep up on like what season we were working on and I think the way I was treated, because I was so at the bottom yeah. of the ladder, um, I just remember like the first day at Common Klein, I think it, I was interning. I can't remember if I was intern. I mean, I worked there too, but maybe it was like my first day of my internship. This woman, this was like right after they had like their runway show and this woman like asked me to come into like this small like cop like copy machine uh room and she was like she was like why did you do this she's like this is unacceptable yeah. and there was like paper everywhere for some reason and i had never <laughs> seen that room before and i was like I, I was like stuttering i was so scared of her oh. she's like taller than me too and i was like i was like i i was like i'm sorry i've never seen this room before and i don't like, I'm a Virgo. Like, I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was, yeah, I was just like, trying to explain to her that I hadn't done it, that I had oh, just arrived. Oh, so awful. And I she, this. I could tell that she like, kind of like woke up from her like angry bubble. And she was like, she realized that I had just arrived. This was like within like 30 minutes of me like stepping my foot into that office. Oh my God. And I oh. think like that, versions of that just kept happening yeah, yeah. no matter where I worked uh. and I mean yeah I've just like had like crazy things with like there's just so much competition because like ideally like most people want to be like the boss over someone or they yeah. want to be the creative director or head of pattern ladder. making or head yeah. of something and so there is competition and if you're gonna come in and be a threat you're going to get bullied until mm. you leave. Yeah. Unless you're lucky enough that they're just like, you're just vibing with everyone. Right. So yeah, I was just like, no, this yeah. is not where I want to work. Yeah. It's super toxic. So yeah, I was like dating an artist at the time who had like gone to Yale and studied art. And I saw that he set his own schedule. He had his own studio. I saw his friends. They just had so much freedom, except from like having a tortured mind. <laughs> but other than that, they just had so much freedom. And I, and I was like, whoa, you can still be creative, but also like set your own schedule. Like that sounded like crazy to me, but also something that I wanted to explore. So I think I just like started to 
I did everything to pay my bills. Like I would assist artists. I would na- I would be a nanny. I would like work in retail. Like I'll do anything except from working in fashion. Like mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> I do not want to work another day in fashion. So yeah, I just like started that, and then I got my own studio in a basement with no like no windows and cockroaches and mice and. Um, I just like went from there. Wow. Um, yeah. So you've told me about, I think at Christine's about this relationship with this artist. Do you feel like that inspired you and impacted you to start painting? Yes. I think his lifestyle did. He, I mean, he was very tormented and I did not like envy that. And he was, insecure and anxious in many ways and and his work was like kind of sometimes a little dark yeah so i didn't really like envy like i knew i wanted to like be like a positive influence but i think just like seeing him like packing his lunch boxes to go to studio and then just leave whenever he wanted and like not having to deal with people really like being an introvert i was like that sounds great um and i would assist him and he would like send his art to like a different country and we would like go to a different country (laughs) and like look at his art i don't know it's just like it felt very like fancy i mean i was so young but there was like a lot of like ego in the was he older yeah he was like 12 years older than me yeah so i think i was yeah i was young i looked up to him i looked up to that kind of life i think now, I I don't want the same things anymore. I create for another reason, but um, but that's how it started. Yeah. yeah, he expanded you to even like see that that was possible. Yeah, because like growing up with like a very conservative mother, like she was like, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, a banker. <laughs> yeah. There's just like not many, or you can marry one. Right, <laughs> like right. those were the options. Wow. So this person. Do you keep in touch with them? Not really. No. I mean, I've, I've just changed so much yeah. since then. And I was just like, I was also like kind of very depressed during the time, even though I was like functioning. So I think I was like, the people I hung out with, it was just like, it was a little dark. Mm-hmm. And I think now I'm like more myself. So like the people around me are just different and the people I want to talk to are just different yeah but i still like i i mean i respect him i'm happy that that happened i don't want to change it but that relationship doesn't really fit into my life now so you're painting in new york you eventually start your career as a painter and it's going well in new york when do you decide that you want to move to la i think i wanted to move to la for a, a long time but I couldn't really explain why. And I think I was just scared that it was going to be like one of those classic New York moves where you'd like go to LA and then you're like, oh, hell no. And then you move back immediately. Had you fallen in love with New York at this point? or No, were... I always hated. Did you like I New knew, York? I knew, no, I knew that you always didn't like New York. <laughs> you never really wanted to be there. It was just FIT that got you there, right? Yeah. And I didn't want to be at FIT. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I never I never liked New York. I loved 
some of the friends I made there and I still think about them. I still talk to them. But you don't miss it? I don't miss it. I miss like being able to walk around, not worry about parking and stuff. Yeah. And that it's more like, it's just more social. Yeah. And I do miss that sometimes. And, yeah, I uh, miss that too. And there's just more culture, I think. Like, the, it's like in your face. Uh, yeah, art it's shows quicker. And, it's yeah. easier to take in a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I miss I miss that sometimes. But, I, but um, yeah, I don't want to live there again. Um, but I love, like, upstate New York. Um, I think I just need nature and yeah. less, like, trash bags on the sidewalk and rats and stuff. Yeah. It's just, uh, like, all that. Like, I'm very... Yeah, I'm very sensitive to like smells, people's like vibes. Um, I think just being like a highly sensitive person in New York is maybe not the best place. Yeah. Yeah. So, you when do how do you decide to come here? So I had started painting. I wanted to move, and I had seen like a few friends moving here, and I think I was just like. It's time. It's time to explore. It's another big city, but there's like more space, closer to nature. The weather is better, but I'm still like going to be able to like continue my my path to like become a, a selling artist. Like I knew that that could still happen in LA because this, this is still such a big city. Yeah. What year was this? 2018. Okay. And yeah, and there is an art scene here. So... I just went for it and just like went to Sweden for a little bit, like thought about it. And then I was like, okay, just let's just go. Like, I don't have kids. I don't have a pet. I don't have a partner. I don't have to like worry about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Did it change your art when you moved here? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it changed everything. Just how, I mean, I go on hikes all the time. The weather is incredible. I mean, there's just so much, like, natural light. There's yeah. just, I mean, even at your place, like, the big winds, like, it's just so bright. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So, I think my, my paintings just became more colorful. And, yeah, just more colorful, more nature scenes. And and also, I switched to, um, to paint with oil because I painted with acrylic before. And I think oil just changed, like, made my... Painting's more like more mm. alive and vibrant. Yeah. Do you feel like you became more yourself when you got to LA? Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's slowly happening, but yeah, I definitely feel that way. I don't think I. I think I was running away from myself in New York. I think I was scared of. It, it's almost like I kind of just like assumed that knowing myself would be like a terrible thing. Mm. And now I know myself way better. And I'm like, oh, it's actually not bad at all. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What helped you? You mentioned your depression. What helped you get to know yourself, to like look yourself into in the face? Was it therapy? Was it what tools? I think therapy for sure helped. I think we just like all have so much trauma that that we can't, or like, voices in our head that like you can't really share with a friend and you just have to like get it out um let it out (laughs) just let it out yeah so i did that 
With a therapist, you mean? Yeah, I did that with a therapist. So processing that was processing was my that childhood. When you got here or? That already started in New York. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, here it's more like Reiki healers. <laughs> I mean, which really helps. Like getting a massage, yeah. like meditating. And this massage. Yeah, I mean, it's then all of that stuff. I mean, it's a process. Like I have days where I'm, I get really depressed still, but it's not like as frequent. And I think just like, I think now when that happens, I always know that like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But I think in New York, we're just like, great. Yeah. <laughs> this is my life. Like depressed every day yeah. because I was high functioning. So you think you can just like live your life like that, but it's terrible. Yeah. I still have like sad days. I think that's just being human, but just knowing that there is an end to it and like remember that, yeah, you're going to have a good day soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that all the time of, you know, for me, I think it's worse when I, like I equate it to the weather of, you know, when it's raining for several days, I never question that eventually mm-hmm. someday it'll be sunny again. Yeah. And then same thing when it's sunny every day, I just know that eventually it'll rain unless yep. it's all in unclear. But I think my depression can feel like you're always going to be there and you can't see a way out yeah especially when you're younger and now yeah. I've just had more experience I have like a bigger sample size yeah that I know that like yeah. I can go down really low but eventually there's an LA to my New York yeah. or light at the end of the yeah, tunnel <laughs> exactly and one thing that is like I have to remind myself is that when I have a good day to really like cherish this that day and also like not let go of my routines mm-hmm. just because I have a good yeah. day. Cause I think it's like, if you have, for me, if like, if I have like two weeks of just like good days, I, maybe I stop working out. Maybe I stop eating healthy because like I, I feel good anyway. Yeah. And then my depression creeps in and I'm like to pick myself up from that spot to like go for a run is so much harder. Yeah. And I know that like exercise helps, just have to keep reminding like don't let go of your routine just because you're you're happy. Yeah. Like, still exercise, like yeah. still feed your brain all those vitamins you need. Yeah. Just take mm. easy with the drinking, like all those things. Yeah. That's such a good point. We we did an episode. I, I should give you this book, or I think you would really like it, but Marley Grace. She wrote this book. She's written several books and and she wrote one recently that's called Getting to Center. And when she did the podcast, we were talking about how this is repetitive for people listening, but how basically she had a crush on someone. She got really, really high from that. Like there's Mm -hmm. no bigger dopamine than that. Right. Yeah. And then the let go of all the routines as we do. Mm -hmm. And then the crash from that of like center is like, not, of course we think about getting too low, Mm -hmm. but it's also like getting too high, you know, it's like being in that middle place for people who, you know, for me, I'm an extremist and an idealist and I feel low lows and high highs. Mm-hmm. It's like that is the aim and also kind of what we don't want too yeah. because it feels good to be high. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unsustainable. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of those routines that help you? You mentioned exercise. What else? Um, yeah. Exercise really helps. You run? I run even though I hate it. How often um, do you run? Have you always run? Tell me everything. Uh, no, I'm a terrible runner, but I think it's like the easiest way for me to exercise. Like I don't have to think. 
I can listen to a podcast or music and I mostly walk because I'm a terrible runner, but it's like a way for me to like start sweating and it's close to my house, like my route. Like if I, because hiking can do the same thing, but like, I don't want to drive and then hike. Like, I don't want that to be my day. Like, I would just want to like put on my shoes and open the door and go. Um, So running really helps um, and, and vitamins, like not like vitamins and like, as in like pill forms, but like green juices, yeah. smoothies, salads. Like I, when I was really, really depressed when I was like in high school, I don't think I really ate any vegetables. <laughs> like I tried to think about like my diet back then. Like I just ate like carbs. Like no wonder my brain was just like, I, I would just had no patience. I was always angry and like, I was probably just like starving for fuel. Like, yeah. So diet is a big thing, but I mean, if you're depressed, you're depressed. Like diet won't do much, but just like for me, it's like all like preventative. Like what can I do now when I'm happy to like not fall so hard? Like once like my PMS hits, Mm -hmm. like how can I make it a little lighter and like not as intense? Hang out with healthy people that don't like make you sad. (laughs) Easy. Kind of. Um, well, you're an empath and you yeah. really absorb that. Yeah, I'm super sensitive to people's vibes. And I, I think like it's easy for me to uh, attract people that are very, very toxic because they're just like, hey. you're so bright. Yeah, they're like, I'm a vampire. Like, give yeah. me some. And like when I was younger, I'd be like, yeah, I have love for everyone, whatever. Like, just like suck the life out of me, whatever. Mm. I can refuel. Yeah. And I'm like, No. No, you don't get a percentage of me. Like, stay the fuck away from me. <laughs> like, I need my, like, good energy to help more people than just you who I can't help anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I've been talking about this a lot with a couple of my friends. Someone said this on the podcast. Whitney Bell said this on the podcast of, I think a therapist gave this theory to her. of Like, we all have so many spoons you might, we come into the world with different amounts. Like you might have five and Christine has seven and Mm -hmm. I have four to work with. And Mm -hmm. then through the day, each interaction, like you have a weird call with your mom and she takes three spoons from you. You talk to your therapist and you gain a spoon. So then at the end of the day, even if you had something planned that you were really excited to do, you might just be like, dude, I don't have enough spoons for that. Yeah, no, that's so true. Yeah. So that's, yeah. it's helpful language. Like I say it with my friend Sophie, like I'll be like, oh, I really want to hang, but like I'm on a spoons and it yeah. blows, you know, yeah. but it's like, cause you normal me would love that. Yeah. But I just, you know, no. so it's like managing your spoons to know like I have an art show tonight. Like yeah. I need my spoons. Like yeah. I can't hang out with someone yeah. who's volatile or might yeah. take spoons. I can't even risk it. So yeah. Like, I need to protect myself. Yeah. That's what I say. Just shield, shield, shield all yeah. the time. Totally. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I've ever tried. I've been mixing a little bit up in the morning. I'll have some hot water with lemon and then I'll mix up some of this, drink that before I have coffee and it gives me a jolt of energy and I really like it. With so many 
stressors in our life of not getting enough sleep and just the stress of being a person right now, it's hard to get everything we need nutrition-wise in our food. And that's where Athletic Greens comes in. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential. It's by far the easiest and a really good tasting nutritional habit that you can add to your health routine that I've been doing and, and really enjoying in the mornings. So one scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus. They help with digestion and they support a healthy immune system. It's really easy to use. You just mix it in water. You can do it any time of day. I've been liking doing it in the morning. Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve their holistic formula based on the most current research. They've done over 53 iterations. They're constantly sourcing the best ingredients. It's really great and I think that you will like it. So right now Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They're offering my audience you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase with my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash Katie and join lots of others who are drinking Athletic Greens, including me. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Katie. That's A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-G-R-E-E-N-S dot com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E to get your free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I have been taking Nutrafol for a while. 30 million women are impacted by weakening or thinning hair. And if you are among them, you are not alone. And I think this is a solution that you can trust to deliver results. My hair all broke off in the last several months. It was a real bummer. And thousands of people have been using Nutrafol and raving about it. And it's a supplement that can transform your hair and help you feel better too. So Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth, which I'm really looking for, and thickness with less shedding for all stages of life. I even had their founder, Sophia, on the podcast a couple months ago because she's really wonderful and it makes me feel better about the company having met her and talking to her about her experience with her hair and her eating disorder and hearing about how she founded this company. So healthier hair and growing hair takes time. It's a slow process, but you'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in about three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 2,500 healthcare providers recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair. Their best offer anywhere is 20% off at Nutrafol.com, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and use the promo code LETITOUT at checkout. And that will give you 20% off your first month of any subscription for new customers. Interrupting this episode to remind you of my weekly show on my new favorite app, Stereo. 
download the Stereo app and follow us, me, at Stereo.com slash Katie Dalebout. The link will be in the show notes. And I'm really loving this app, Stereo. I'm going to be talking there a lot. So follow me to get notified every time I go live. And every Thursday, that's like pretty much when it's going to be, and maybe some other times too, but every Thursday at noon, I'm hosting a live show there. So that's noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Join me. I will be talking with a new guest every single week. Usually it's going to be the guest who has been on the podcast that week. That's the case for this episode. It's really nice to have a place to be at a certain time. I would love to see you there. It can be a live conversation between us where you can be a co-host too and ask questions and or you can simply listen and, and just, you know, be there like you are now, but it'll be live. I'm really excited about this. I think it can be really cool. This app is really cool. I'm calling the show, so I meant to ask you, and it's going to be all the questions I wish I would have asked on the episode that I forgot to ask. And, you know, that happens all the time where I'll do an episode and I'll be listening back to it and I'll be, oh man, I never even talked to them about this thing or how did I forget that? And now I don't have to because I have this stereo show every week. So I would love to see you there. If you have any questions on how to download the app or how to follow me there, let me know and we'll make sure to get you set up. So again, join us every Thursday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time over on the Stereo app. Download the Stereo app and follow us, me, at Stereo.com slash Katie Dalebout. The link will be in the show notes. And I love Stereo. I'm going to be talking on there a bunch. Follow me, get notified, and I will talk to you at noon on Thursdays. Is there a lesson from therapy that's really helped you and stuck with you? That's a good question. I think my biggest take from therapy, because I did like talk therapy and I don't think my therapist really said a word. (laughs) It was more just like talking, 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 and then realize things. And I think like what I got out of that was just, yeah, you just have to let it out. Let yourself let it out. Yeah. Even if it's toxic, immature, stupid, just let it out and have someone listen to it. And because it's hard, like sometimes I would, I would write things down or I would like journaling, journaling, or I would let it out by recording myself talking. So it would feel like sort of I was talking to someone, Mm -hmm. but I think having a therapist, it's just another it's just different because yeah. you're actually talking to a human being mm-hmm. and and just seeing someone who's like looking at you and taking it all in like it gives you room to cry it gives you room to process um to like see their reaction to things like that is so important so i think yeah for me it was just like i learned that it's important to share i mean i don't want to like do emotional dumping on anyone but I I think just like let yourself be vulnerable every now and then and maybe don't let it get to a point where you just like need to like just tell everything but just like let it out little now and then just like little things here and there just like oh I feel like this today Mm -hmm. but like it's it's okay but I yeah I want to talk about this thing and and then don't doesn't have to be a big deal but I think for me when I saw my therapist, I had realized that I had so many years of like unshared feelings. Yeah. And I don't want to ever get to that point. Like I want to 
address things immediately with the people that hurt me. Cause you like the people that hurt me in the past, like they had no idea that they did that mm -hmm. to me. Um, so just knowing now that like, yeah, yeah, I just have to be like aware and like really respect my feelings. I think back when I think back, like when I was younger, I thought my feelings were stupid and I wanted to be strong all the time. I think being strong is like being vulnerable, but I didn't know that. I thought strong was being like ice cold, just like shake it off. But you don't shake it off. You store it somewhere totally. in like your body and then you have like a back pain all the time. Yeah, of course. I think there's this quote that I, I don't know who said it, but honestly, I think I saw it on Instagram or something, but I think it's really great. And it says, if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. Yeah. Totally. That's so true. Love Instagram quotes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't really love Instagram quotes, but that happened to be good. But I mean, that's the whole concept of love it out, right? It's like if I always think about pushing a beach ball down with our feelings, mm -hmm. if you're pushing a beach ball down in water, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of effort. And eventually it's going to pop up and make a big splash. It's going to yeah. be a big thing. But if you just let it out, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. And yeah. then it's out and you don't have to have that. You don't have to push and I think that doing that with therapy, and I, I believe that writing or yeah. voice doing, like, yeah. that's cathartic, too. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think sharing with another person is ideal, yeah. but it's expensive and it's whatever. Yeah. And that's why, like, 12 steps are so important because it's sharing. That's why friendship is important because it's sharing. But but I think with therapy or or support groups, it's you're paying someone and they're mm. holding space. Yeah. And that's what's so great about that. And then in friendship, like exactly like you said, I think you have to read the room or yeah. it becomes emotional dumping. And yeah. we all know people in our lives yeah. who like can't read the room and it's emotional dumping and you feel <sighs> yeah, it. It's, it's, so it's a lot. And I actually have a lot of compassion because I think I've done that before. Yeah. I know I no, have. I think we all, we all have. Yeah. I think, yeah. For sure, we all we all are guilty of that. And some days, like I can hold it and I can be like, I can just be there and I can be a container and I can yeah. take your shit. But other days, I don't have the spoons. Yeah, you know? no, I'm the same. And I think also, it, and also it depends who it is because like I have friends that are like mostly just like pretty chill, and then they have something hap happening to them, and I'm like, no shit, like. Things I want to be there for you. Yeah, totally. Like, it feels spill good. Spill that tea. Like, I want to, like, because, like, gossiping is fun, too. Like, I don't know. Sharing feelings can yeah. be fun, too. But when it's, like, every day yep. getting a text message, just, exactly. just says, like, oh. And I'm, like, do I need to answer this oh, text? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. no, no, no. But That's a boundary. Yeah. You have yeah. to have boundaries. But yeah. if if it's just friends that are, like, mostly happy well, every now and then, then I'm, like, this is kind of exciting. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I'm sad sometimes too. And I like, I love to discuss it and right. talk about it. Exactly. It's reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah. But and I think like before that, like before therapy, I was always silent. Mm -hmm. And I think like with therapy, I was able to like dump it all out. And now I can just be like, kind of like a normal person and just be like upset every now and then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like when it's reciprocal and it's, um, you know, it, it feels good for me to be able to be the, the helper mm -hmm. and the listener yeah, and not too. always the, the, but sometimes know that like, 
you know, not that it's this for that, but every once in a while, like, I mean, that is friendship. It's, you know, just, I love being there to listen to my friends and sit with that because I know they'll do it for me and not even because I know they'll do it for me, but like, I actually feel really, really good after being able to help someone because I think as people, that's how we're wired. Like we get dopamine from that. Yeah. It's really primal, Mm -hmm. you know? I do think it gets toxic though when it's like, the same problem every time. Yeah. If it's just like a, you know, once in a while something. Right. But if it's like, hey, oh shit, we're talking about the same pattern. It's just like a different yeah. situation. Then it's like, maybe you need to see someone totally. professional. Yeah. 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 Or need a different tool that like you're out of your pay grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you like me, I think Christine pointed out this to me once, but we're both pretty spiritual and I know you like Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now and that was <laughs> impactful for you. And you seem like someone who really embodies his concepts from that book. You seem yeah. really present. Have you always been that way and what's helped you? I think I've always been that way. But I think with like puberty and all drama that happened in my childhood and teenage years, I sort of forgot that I am, that I have this little Buddhist person inside of me. So when I read Eckhart for the first time, I kind of just like got floored because I I was like, wait, this is me. Like when I'm just myself, this is me and this is okay to be like this. It was incredible. And it, it, it changed me. Like I, that was like, the first thing I read that truly like started my path to like becoming myself or realigning with myself again. Because I think before I was so conditioned to believe that like, oh, if you want to be a fashion person, you have to be a bitch. You have to compete with everyone. You have to be bossy. You have to dress in a certain way and just scare people. And I'm not like that. So when I read Eckerd, I was like, I'm, this is what? I can be like this? this is who I am. Thank you. So yeah, then that just like gave me the green light to just be myself. I love that. And I think that's so freeing when you feel like you go out of that. Like, have you had that? This, this happens for me pretty often actually, but I, where I feel like I'm, for instance, like I've, I've read all the same books and or all of Eckhart's books and I'll, I'll feel like I, intellectually understand it, but it's the embodying of it that I struggle with at least Mm -hmm. daily. So Mm -hmm. when you feel like you're, or I feel really insecure to be myself. So Mm -hmm. I become a a version of myself that I don't, that I'm not actually. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. then I'm not seen. Right. So like, what do you do when you are having a bad day or or you're not feeling present? How do you pivot? What helps you to come back to yourself? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. I think just being patient and write it out. Cause like, like journaling. Oh, like write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Yeah. <laughs> Cause when I think like when I have a bad day, like you don't really know when it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like you wake up and you're like, oh shit, I feel good today. But you don't really like for me, at least I don't really know what helped that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do. Like, it could be like just like hanging out with a friend, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm actually, yeah, exactly." But sometimes I, I just wake up and I'm like, "Oh, I feel better today." Yeah. Um, so I think just like writing it out, 
being patient. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just having like I think I ha- I'm pretty good at having compassion for myself. Mm-hmm. I think my like when I get like really low, like it's usually a combination of where I'm at in my cycle, but mm-hmm. also how overworked I am. I care a lot, like every email, every DM I get, every text message I get, like I I really want to deliver so much that it's like, and I don't know if this has to do with like, like everyone in my family is on the spectrum. <laughs> so I don't know if I am too, but it's like, it's exhausting for me to communicate sometimes because yeah. I really want to deliver and it's, and I put so much emotion and feeling to it. So with work, like I'm, always a little bit overworked Mm -hmm. and that triggers my depression and I become a person who's suddenly not compassionate who's not grateful who thinks that people that want to buy work from me or support my work are annoying which I usually don't think but when I do think that Mm -hmm. way I know that it's because I have I've overworked myself Mm -hmm. and overextended myself and suddenly everyone around me turns needy so for me like what fixes it like the quickest way is to leave town and I know it's hard these days but like even if it's just like getting an Airbnb like an hour away just remove myself from everything that like triggers my negative feelings and just be in a whole new environment where I'm like I don't even know how to feel in this space like like okay I'm just like existing (laughs) right now yeah and for me that was like a week ago, I went to Ojai and I was taking care of my friend's rabbit and just knowing that I'm here for the rabbit and I'm here in Ojai, who cares what I feel about things? And I was so focused on that. And I can like, that makes me realize that like maybe getting a pet would be great. But um, yeah, just taking care of the rabbit, going on hikes, being in a, in a space that I've never been before or I've been, but like, that was, yeah, it was just, most of it was new. And I felt like my life in my little bubble in LA just felt kind of stupid. Mm, <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like, you don't. It's nice to remove yourself. That's like really. Physically remove myself. Yeah. That's like a hot tip. Even yeah. it'll go camping. I mean, there are many, you can, if you have a car, you can sleep in your car. I mean, there are like cheap ways to remove yourself or yeah. visit a friend or whatever. I really need to do that. That, that really hit me hard I've been thinking I was starting to talk to you about this of I really am getting the itch to move like I'm like I gotta move and I you as you know I just got here like we barely have furniture in this place and it's I think I just have been in this neighborhood too long and I I need to stop like running into people and being Mm -hmm. here I just want to be somewhere else and I think that would be really good usually I'm traveling so much more yeah than I am yeah so, yeah, well, that's if you know that you're a person that loves to travel. Uh, yeah, you probably don't want to move. You probably just need to totally. move, move, remove yourself from this little area right now. And I'm the same. Like every time, like I'm starting like to see a cycle. Like if I had a calendar, like every one to three months, I want to move. So then, if I leave, I'll come back and I'll be like. Oh, LA is so nice. And then after yeah. a month or three, I'm like, this place is the worst. Everyone's aggressive. Like this w- town is against me. Um, but yeah, so yeah, traveling, 
even if it's just like an hour away yeah. and being in a different setting and just hanging out with different people, that is medicine. And I and it's like you don't even know that you need it until you're actually getting it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so good for creativity and for mental health. And yeah. I, and I think some people process differently. Like some people don't need that. I remember I was dating someone a couple of years ago and I like just kind of like very casually said to him and passing like, yeah, I think I need to move every two to three years. And he was like, what? Like he was basically like, I can't be with like, no. Like yeah. I, it, that was so far from how he felt, which yeah. I kind of, was jealous of that groundedness, but it's just not how I'm wired. And I don't yeah. know if I'll actually like need to move every two to three years. It's turned out it's kind of been that way. But yeah. Like, but well, you're a seeker. Yeah. And I think that's like actually a gift to be wired that way, even though it's like exhausting uh, to want to move that often. It's actually not that often. I mean, every two years, that's fine. Like yeah. some people move like a few like every year or like every six months. I don't know. It could always be worse. Yeah. But I think like loving to travel, wanting to move is actually, it just like reflects on like your inner world and how you want to explore. And I think it's actually really healthy. Like I, cause when I look at my friends who don't move, my old friends, <laughs> I'm not really friends with anymore who like are still in the same town that I grew up yeah. with. They don't want to explore. They're not curious about other cultures. They're not curious about new foods. Like they just want to be in their bubble that they've always been in. And that's great for them. And that's an easy life. And sometimes I'm like, maybe that would have been better if I was like that. Because totally. yeah. it's less of a headache. But then I know that they look at my life and they're like, oh my God. I mean, it's so exciting. She's always traveling. She's always up to something new. So it's just like, I don't know. Well, it's like stagnation, right? You know, like I, I said this to Christine once because I think she is someone who's not afraid to, you know, moving is messy. Moving yeah. is uncomfortable. Moving yeah. is jarring. Yeah. You know, my mom has worked the same job for 35 years and lives in our same small town. And so does my entire family. And I think my life has been such a opposite end of the spectrum of that but I think that is definitely easier. And yeah. and I what I was saying about Christine is like, I admire her being like, yeah, I want to move. I want to change. I'm going to mm -hmm. switch it up. I'm going to flip this on its head. And I think that's a testament of creativity. You mm -hmm. know, I think that it's self-awareness and it's, a, it's allowing yourself to go through something. It, it's kind of like therapy in a way, yeah. you know, it's kind of like self-awareness where like, or intimacy, it's uncomfortable, yeah. but it's good because yeah. most of the best things in life are uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, walking through the fire light at the end of yeah. the tunnel, yeah. you know? Sometimes I think about the way we are, like how bored we get with places and like how overwhelmed we get with when we're stuck in the same place for too long. If we were like early humans, like what was our purpose? Like were we supposed to like lead our pack somewhere else? Like oh. were we supposed to like find food in a new place? Like mm. I'm just like there has to be a purpose for this type of weirdo. Yeah. Like there has to be. Because like now I know that like people are inspired by people like us. 
even mm. though it's so exhausting for us to be this yeah. way, like we're actually helping people um, to realize that the, there are like, oh, you're not happy with your life. There is another way. You can change it. You don't yeah. have to be stuck. Like life is too short. But if we go back to like the first humans, like why are we like this? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just that's, curious. That's like, really maybe interesting. I'll read about it somehow. I don't that know. That is interesting because it actually, it came up last week on my episode with Maddie of like, how when I moved in here and it was so empty and I really started fresh, like I yeah. think we, you know this, but like I didn't ship my stuff from New York. Yeah. I like had nothing in here. And I got all these messages from people being like, wow, that looks so refreshing. And yeah. I could never do that because I'm so set up where I am. And I was kind of that week, I was really jealous of them. I was like, yeah. oh man, I would love to be grounded and have like <laughs> yeah. a couch and a husband and like yeah. a dog, you exactly. know? Exactly. But, I don't. And this yeah. is, this is like pretty uncertain. Like it's just on me and I have, you know, and then like, it's the way the cookie crumbled, you know, and there's also so yeah. much good from it and it's exciting. Yeah. And I, and I get that. And it's kind of like the grass is always greener, but I also just think it's how I'm wired. But yeah. I think though a lot of the, the people who said that to me, I don't think they would actually want it. And there's a lot of people who I know look at my life and they're like, mine mm. would never, that seems really uncertain yeah. and stressful. stressful. <laughs> yeah. So stressful. Yeah. And they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but then out of it, you're able to create a podcast and have new guests. And for me, it's like, I can make paintings right. and just like produce new, exciting work. It's just yeah. like, it's just part of being creative. Like wanting, I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll probably be that person that don't ever want to move again. But we're not there yet. Not there yet. But I can I can see it happening. Like yeah. when I'm like 40, 50, yeah. we'll 60, see. maybe. Verdict's out. You mentioned something a couple of minutes ago and you were talking about some days you wake up and you feel great and you don't even know why or, yeah. or vice versa. And often you can like kind of backtrack it and be like, oh, it's my cycle or it's yeah. this thing or it's out this outside validation got me uh -huh. there or whatever. I wrote this down because I find that it's this is something I'm like processing, but I'm I'm I feel like our emotions aren't necessarily in our control. Yeah. And that I, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks. Do you ever mm -hmm, get into mm -hmm. that? And sometimes I, I they talk about getting into the vortex or getting into like, you know, feeling good and connected, mm -hmm. whatever. And, and they often say, like, you have to just fall into it. Like, you can't control it. You can't push yourself there. Mm -hmm. Often mm -hmm. you just are there. And if yeah. you, you do that by doing things that give you joy, being around people that give you joy, creating things, taking time by yourself, traveling, whatever. And that is so true for me. So mm -hmm. do you find that – I would just love your thoughts on that, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, I think my, like, number one thing that I tell myself is, like, that I have to be patient and just do everything I can to surround myself with people that have a positive influence on me. And once I feel that I have a moment of happiness to just, like, really embrace it and ride the wave and just know that life is just a big question mark yeah. <laughs> like I don't know like we're here and I don't know why really but I'm just gonna try to be as grateful as I can while it's happening and 
be okay with my bad days and knowing that like it's gonna happen and it's so human like really like i understand if you're like a monk and you live in a monastery and you're like meditating it every day and it's like so part of your lifestyle to like always be in like a zen like peaceful place yeah of course then that's easy because you're not being like triggered by shit but for us to live like a normal yeah. life among people like this is the work yeah this is, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is this is our work yeah yeah meditation so i know you meditate how did you get into it and what kind of meditation what is your practice look um, like now i it's different so if i have like a lot of um voices in my head like ne negative self-talk i like to do mantra meditation I don't even look up what it means. I just like go on Spotify, look for a mantra that feels easy to say. I mean, usually it's just like um or something like that. Anyway, so I do that and that just like by repeating those words and making sounds, I cannot, there's not much time to think other than like, this is stupid. But that, that feeling goes away because you're just like so stuck in it and you're listening I like to wear like noise canceling headphones too, because then you're just like absorbed in it. Um, so I've been doing that. And I also found this woman who like sings mantra music too. So then it's like, I'll sing with her. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish, I hope my neighbors don't hear me because I sound like a cult leader right now. But just like letting yourself be absorbed by that vibration, like that really high positive vib vibration, especially if you feel like, at least for me, like I can't stop thinking. But if I'm in a place where I wake up really early, I'm like kind of like half, not half asleep, but still a little sleepy. Yeah, it's really magical. Um, I light a candle and I burn some incense and I'm able to just like tune out and I try to like straighten my back and I just focus on breathing. So I usually do like uh, four seconds like in and then I hold it for four seconds and then I do like a longer like out um, breath. Um, but yeah, it's very easy. I think like just being, uh, letting yourself to surrender and sit in, in a quiet spot, like some people think it's going to be really scary to do that i do it and i if i feel like i'm i'm sitting in that place and i immediately want to like journal and stuff then i let myself journal i let myself get all those feelings out and if i sit down again and i still feel like my thoughts are just taking over then i do mantra meditation but other than that i'll, I'll usually just breathe through it and i don't go long like 15 30 minutes is enough um but what really helps for me is to wake up really early when it's still dark out because then you don't get distracted. Like if I get up at like 7, 7.30, I can already feel my anxieties. Like I can already feel like, oh, there probably are some stressful emails in my inbox. Um, but if I get up at like 6 or 5.30, then – and also I'm a morning person, so it's different. I mean some people can do this in the evening, but I'm yeah. not an evening person. If I wake up at like 5.36, then even though it's not true, even in my head, it feels like everyone is asleep yeah. and no one's going to bother me. Yeah. So then I can sort of just like tune into my body and meditate peacefully. This is inspiring. I'm going to wake up at 
Five thirty. No. <laughs> this is written. I've been contemplating it already. Yeah. And well, when I wrote my book, I had to because I was working full time, and so I would wake up at five five thirty, and I would just do it. And the days felt so long, and it was mm-hmm. really good. And everyone's and, and I didn't do it ever after that. But every once in a while, I would go to a yoga class that was at five forty five, and I loved it because I would get home at like six forty five, and I was up and I was like awake, yeah. and. I got to get back to that. I've been sleeping yeah. in so late. And you feel like you're in control. But it's all about like letting yourself go to bed early too. Yeah. Because well, you don't so want to be ex- tired. Walk me through all of this because I know sleep <laughs> is also very important to you. So what time do you go to bed? Um, I think around 7.30. <laughs> but this is like if I'm alone during the okay, week. Okay. I mean, because I love like hang out with my friends mm-hmm. and like let it be really late. But if it's like, oh, it's just me tonight. Then will you sleep in more? If you, like, if we were at Christine's till, like, 11, would you? Yeah, I'll let myself, I need eight hours. Like, I'm never going to change that. My sleep is more important than my meditation, for sure. But if I, and and usually if I sleep in, I'll still let myself meditate, even though I know it's not going to be as good or effective. So you meditate first thing out of bed? First thing, yeah. I'll make some tea or I have like four, four symptomatic coffee that is like less or decaf coffee. Cause if I drink like a big cup of coffee right before meditation, uh, no, <laughs> I get so jittery. Coffee? So you're, you're making tea. We're, we're getting out of bed at five thirty-six. Yeah, We're make we're drinking water. Um, I think ideally like I want to drink something hot. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's colder now. So yeah. I prefer to drink something hot. So a tea, a tea is good. Caffeine. So, I do drink caffeine. It's probably not the best. It's probably better to not drink caffeine, but but I don't know. Like I just feel it out. I'm trying not to be so hard on myself, yeah. but cuz I love caffeine, but at least I'm not drinking like, you know, a really strong coffee cuz that would just mess me up. Cuz I get so excited after coffee. I'm like, yeah. I have big ideas and I want to get to the studio, but if I just like drink something like I feel like ideally, like a herbal tea, mm-hmm. um, drink that in gratitude, and then just let myself meditate for a bit. Um, yeah, it's like it's such a routine that I have down, and I'm I'm okay if I miss out on one day, but if I know that overall that's my routine, uh, yeah, it just it makes me feel like I'm because I'm a control freak when it comes to my work. So it just makes me feel like I'm in control of yeah. the day. Yeah. And no email, no demand from someone is going to like throw me off because yeah. I'm going to be like that can wait. I yeah. need to do this now and then I can deal with whatever bullshit that I have to yeah. deal with. Yeah. So so you start, you meditate, after you meditate. Oh, and I have a spot for meditation too. Same spot every day? Same spot every day. So I have a, a pillow that I sit on that's like, that activates. <laughs> I was just like, it's what, what intention you put into everything. Yeah. So I have a little corner where I always sit. It's like my meditation corner. I, I'm even going to get like a little meditation table because then I can put like, you know, whatever you need, like a flower or like things that reminds you of like, peace and gratefulness or gratitude or whatever you need so yeah i have like and i have my tarot decks too in case i need that afterwards but i always have the same spot i always light like one candle i don't need more than that i burn some palo santo 
And yeah, it's just like really securing one spot. Because I feel like if I sit on my bed or if I sit on my couch, that's where I do other things too. So it's better to just like have one. Because I never really sit on my meditation pillow otherwise. Like that's just like, because it's not that comfortable. So it's like, that's my meditation spot. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so after meditation, do you, do you ever journal? Do you write? Do you do morning pages? Yeah, I always journal. I don't try to like push myself to like, oh, I have to write two pages or whatever, but I try to write as much as I can. And then I always, even if I get a new journal, I always transfer my goals to that new journal to the back of that journal. Mm -hmm. So I can like go back and look if I feel like I need to like, realign myself so some of my goals are really old but they've been like going with every journal can you tell us one one of my biggest goals were to have a show in sweden and that is actually finally happening but that was like always traveling with me to every journal oh that's so cool yeah to like have a show in my hometown and like have my parents there and like to be able to show them like this is why I lived abroad for so long, so I could like explore this. Yeah. And yeah, that's that was definitely something that, and yeah, now it's happening. But, yeah. but I also Congrats. like, thanks. But I also like try not to look at my goals all the time because sometimes it can be a little like you just have to like trust that you're, yeah. you're getting there. Yeah, set the intention and forget yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So after that, then I'm, I'm always curious on how you spend your day. So, you know, you meditate, you journal. At that point, are you getting coffee? Are you getting dressed? Do you head to the studio? What's next? Yes. So then I usually make a smoothie. <laughs> I'm a smoothie queen. I love What's a going smoothie. What's going on to the smoothie? Um, spirulina, like powder, like greens, mm-hmm. like any, like some green powder. And then there's like a medical medium, like heavy de- detox smoothie that mm-hmm. everyone drinks. Uh, it's like a version of that. So it's like healthy, but a little fruity still. So I'll make like a big batch of that because um, I love to bring that to the studio. Because like, ideally, I like to fast in the morning because I don't really like to eat breakfast anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bring that, bring that to the studio and then I can just like drink that there. It's like... That's like fast food for me. I mean, I love fast food, but that's like, yeah, I don't have to think and I can just work. And then. um, So what time are you getting to the studio? Uh, Probably like around like nine. I'll get into the studio and I just try to just work and just do my own thing that makes me happy, which is painting. And then like around maybe like one or two. I'll get like really hungry and then I think my hangry side also makes me want to go home. (laughs) So usually I just like, I'll go home or maybe I'll stay until four and like maybe I'll bring some extra lunch, but it depends like, because I really want to paint for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to push or overextend myself. So if I feel like I'm in a good Play, like stopping place at like one or two I'll go home and like make myself lunch but I usually feel it out in the morning or I'll bring lunch uh, and stay until like four but I never I work with daylight so I don't like to yeah I don't like to work in the dark it 
also just like, yeah, I just don't like, because my studio is downtown. It's a weird time yeah. <laughs> place to be after yeah. seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I usually stay until four and I, yeah, I just paint and then I get home and that's when I deal with the stressful stuff. Computer stuff? Computer stuff. Emails. Stuff like hum- normal human stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm not so good at, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying not to be like upset when I answer emails and just be grateful yeah. for the opportunity, even for the opportunity to say no, thank you. But it's hard because I'm like, damn, like I have to make all these decisions and like, look, do I want to work with this person? Do I want to like? It's yeah, making decisions is is exhausting. Yeah, I'm really struggling with with email. Like, I I will just let it build up. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And then I feel all the time like I have homework and I just feel bad. And like, and then it's harder to dive in when you know there's 300 and you know you're like, yeah, that one from September. And like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a bit. (laughs) It's a lot, but I think it's okay. I'm not so good with emails and. It's not gonna. No, it's okay. No one's gonna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Do you? So then, at the end of the day, what are your evening routines? How do you shut down and relax? I love taking baths. Mm. Um, that really helps, and I love watching like stupid stuff. Like I love YouTube, like makeup tutorials, whatever that is. Like so far removed from like what I do. Because if I watch like a documentary about an artist or like yeah. an artsy movie, then I'm like, oh, I'm working because I'm like taking notes and like paying attention to these scenes or whatever. But if I can just watch something really stupid, like Friends or Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm, like all those, and even better, like episodes that I already watched before, because yes. then I can Same. really tune out or read something that's like a very easy read. Yeah. Um, I don't want to read about. I mean, I can read about like another artist or something like up until like maybe 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. But after that, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. I need to just like be Camilla who's like just not thinking about work. Yeah. Yeah. That same. Me too. Did you, you know, we, we were talking about spirituality a little bit. Did you grow up with spirituality and religion? No, not at all. So this is something you really found? I found it myself. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think happens when we die? Where are you with spirituality now? That's a good question. I feel like my spirit like will be reborn. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it, I even, I don't care much about it because like, I don't remember like my past lives or what I was or blah, 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 really. Like, I mean, sometimes I get like glimpses of what, or like I feel connected to people and I feel like we, we had a relationship in the past. Like that happens, but like, it's not like a big part really of my life too much. So yeah, I just think my spirit will be reborn. And I guess I believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do think that I will die with unfinished business and come back in I don't know what form, but um, but I have 
it's weird and I've never shared this before, but I feel like I want to do as good as I can for the this generation that I can still like or people that are around me and my friends and and younger people that look up to me through my work, whatever. I really want to do the best I can to like inspire them in ways that artists inspired me growing up. But then there's also a part of me that wants to give the reincarnated personal uh, version of myself a good life too so i want to do like as much as i can so that that person or whatever is gonna have a good life yeah which is yeah so weird i've never shared that before exclusive (laughs) yeah i i fully believe in reincarnation as well and i often think like it's how we're wired like i was saying before to be kind to each other and genuine and i've been i've been feeling really off lately like body image wise and just icky. And I had this kind of bleak thought of like, oh man, I'm real excited for the next one. I always (laughs) have an easier go the next time around, which is such a like bleak kind of victim mentality thought. But I'm like, I like what you're saying. I mean, that's why reincarnation kind of works as a concept spiritually is like karma, right? Mm -hmm. Like be good now. Yeah for not for other people not just to be good but because it will lead to you having a better yeah life the next time and yeah I I don't know man I I just I feel better and less anxious when I am kind when I'm genuine when I don't do things that I know I don't want to do and I'm so far from perfect but there's something to that and I think you articulated that really well and and like wanting to do my best like I want to do the best I can making this podcast or talking to you or, you know, I mean, it goes back to Eckhart of like being present because Mm -hmm. I'm really shitty when I'm distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not really, you're just, no, you're somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. Um, Yeah. I think also like I have so much gratitude for sometimes I'm like, we're all going to die. Nothing matters. And then I'm like, I'm also so grateful for the people that came before me that made my life a little bit better, that made my experience on this planet or in, or in my body, like a little bit better than it could have been like, you know, 50 years or hundred years ago as, you know, being a woman. So I think about that too. Like I'm so grateful for those people and, and I want to do that for the next generation that is coming too. So yeah, just like paying it forward, I think. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about your art before we get to the the quick fire yeah. questions. And and you mentioned people who came before you. So I'm, I'm wondering some of your greatest influences art-wise and, mm. and just in general. Yeah. I like the oldies. <laughs> um, I love George O'Keefe. Um, Have you been to the George O'Keefe house? And I've been to the museum, but when I went to the house, it was closed that day. I don't know why I thought it was just going to be like open and available and that I didn't have to like book a guided tour. I was just like, yeah, I'm here, whatever. Like it's a small town and just like go in. Yeah. <laughs> but, I really want to um, go. We should do a road trip. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. But I I've saved all the pictures from that house because like I, I want a house like that. So for me, it's like artists that I look up to and I think Georgia O'Keefe is like such a perfect, example because it's not only about her work it's about her lifestyle too and i think like whenever someone 
reaches out to me and say that they inspire their lifestyle, then I feel really happy because it's it's freedom for me. And I think like her growing up during the times she did and like she had a husband. I mean, they didn't have kids, so she had more freedom. But her being like, I'm going to get a house in the desert, even though their main home was in New York. Like she gave herself that yeah. to like, she had her own space exactly to create. Exactly what you're talking about, about getting out yeah. and leaving. Yeah. So I think like for me, that yeah those are the artists that really uh, inspire me and who else the swedish artist hilma of clint like she yeah inspired me without me like i thought it was a dude growing up because for me like going to a museum like i didn't know that there were female artists so i thought i was like oh it's it's like cool cool dude like making all these paintings. Yeah. Because it was but part really of feminine and bright. They're so feminine, but I was like, I had no idea. Maybe like a gay man made mm-hmm. them. Like I had no idea that female yeah, artists really didn't learn about her background and No, it took me years. It took me until a few years ago. Yeah. That I learned that it was that was who she was wow. and and that she also kind of like Similar to me, like, had a lot of family obligations, but then finally just, like, went her own way. Yeah. Um, and from support, got her own studio and just knew that, like, she's creating for the future. And her work was just felt, it was therapy, but it also felt bigger than her. Yeah. And she was very spiritual and maybe a little too tortured for, yeah. <laughs> like, she seemed like she had a hard life, too. Just like living in the era and being a, a female artist like in the 1920s, like that wasn't really like, I would yeah. say like Georgia O'Keeffe's like one of the first women that were able to like have a career and yeah. make money painting whatever she painted. But I think, yeah, that was like, Hill of Clean was like a little too early and she knew yeah. that and that's why she stored yeah. away her work too. Which is so fascinating to me. I did you see her exhibit at the the Guggenheim? I didn't see it. I've seen the work. It's really funny because like she always painted for the temple and she and yes, they didn't know. Temple. Yeah, and they didn't that know was what it so was. Wild. But she lived in the same, I think during the same time as is it Frank Lloyd Wright that yeah. built the Guggenheim? Yes. And she predicted a spherical yeah, structure yeah. that her work would be showcased in. And she had the year. It was like all she these was very, very psychic. psychic. Very, very psychic. I remember reading that. I saw the exhibit there. And I remember reading that part of that. She predicted her work yeah. would be shown 20 years after her death yeah. in a spherical like temple. Yeah. And it's exactly what she drew it. And it's yeah. exactly like what Frank Lloyd Wright. Built and it's so interesting because like, her works like because she didn't have kids yeah and her work was stored in the worst way like on an in in, like a hot attic like no one really knew what shit was in there so when like i don't know it must have been like maybe like the 80s i don't know late yeah that they went in there again and they were like discovered all her works again and realized that they were in good shape yeah so she's just like i don't know she just predicted the future and it's so interesting because like the um, museum of modern art in sweden they 
there was like an interview with like one of the directors there or whatever. And he was like, yeah, we could really see Hilma's work at Guggenheim, but that's not going to happen. Like who's going to show her? Like no one knows about her. She's like an unknown, like female Swedish artist, like who cares? And then like that actually happened. And I so wish I could see it, but I hope that it will travel or like, um, because I I don't think the world is done with her. (laughs) No, no. and it felt like that was 2019, I think that I saw it. And I remember it was, I I saw it at the very end, like Mm -hmm. it was closing and Everybody in New York saw that exhibit and was talking about her. Did you get emotional when you saw it? Yeah, I remember walking in. I was emotional that day for like a different reason, which I'll tell you after. (laughs) But like who I went with. But um, but I did, and I remember like the because you walk like up the. Mm -hmm. It was my first time ever even going to the Guggenheim, Mm -hmm. so I was Mm -hmm. definitely like struck by the building too, which Mm -hmm. I honestly think that she would have loved of like, cause it yeah. seemed like it meant to go together of how she predicted her work mm-hmm. being seen. And when you walk into the Guggenheim, the, the, you can see everything up, up to the top. It's like a big spiral. And the first part of the exhibit was those big paintings that probably everyone knows at this point when, because she got so popular mm-hmm. after that, but they look to me like big tarot cards. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's so right. Yeah, and that's how I felt about it. And I remember saying that to who I was with and like it it was really they're so big that you kind of came up to it. it felt like being a kid seeing like a life-size piano or like something like really yeah. large. Yeah. And yeah, it was really moving. Like I remember just moving really slow through the exhibit and reading I, I like to do that at museums like read the things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I I usually kind of like fake read it or skim it and I just like take in the art I'm like nah whatever but yeah. with this I was very I was more fascinated by her than the work but I also really loved the work yeah yeah in a way that like I haven't connected to yeah. an exhibit before yeah. I think that's how art should be like just really pull you in like yeah. that and want you to like know everything about yeah. it I I think that's so special and and like and I think also like her work just came from such a pure place of like it was so intuitive and I think that's what maybe made you think of it as tarot cards like she painted them pretty fast and it was very intuitive and I think like I mean the big the bigger ones I think were like pretty planned but like her just like because I have like her book with like smaller drawings and like she was onto something. Yeah. I don't know. She like, I definitely believe she was super psychic. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I just can't even believe, like, I mean, even back then being a woman and being that psychic, um, psychic men did not invite psychic women <laughs> really into yeah. their club. It was, yeah. Yeah. Was different time. Yeah. But yeah, she must have been very, I don't know isolated but i don't know i it's very fascinating and just find it so inspiring with someone that just like went her own way like that yeah yeah yeah, fully well you're so prolific in in the art world and in general was there a moment that it really sunk in that you've achieved some level that you really celebrated i know you mentioned the exhibit in in sweden was there another moment before that that it really hit you yes 
Okay, find out next week the answer to that question, as well as where Camilla gets ideas, what informs her style. We do our traditional rapid fire questions where she talks about dating and fashion and her favorite beauty products. And we get into social media and compliments and her dance videos and how those started. And I even get to ask some rapid questions about Husa, who is a character that she uses throughout her art, who's really important to me. And she answers as Husa. So that's pretty cool. We talk about dating and her thoughts on romantic relationships. So tune in next week. In the meantime, the emoji for this week's episode, what I do if you're new here is at the end of the episode, I pick an emoji for you to comment on Camille's Instagram, on my Instagram to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. This week, it's going to be the painter, the the painter person, painter lady. You know, it's pretty on the nose. I was going to say the dancer, but we don't even talk about her dancing this week. Maybe next week it will be the dancer. I'll ask Camilla what it should be next week on our stereo show. So tune in this week at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Camilla will be on the program. It's my new live show that I'm hosting every Thursday at noon slash 3 p.m. And we'll just chat and you can join us live and Camilla and I will be there and we'll we'll chat a little bit about what's going on and how we are and it's really casual and you can submit questions and we want it to be a live interactive conversation. Again, I'm really loving this new app Stereo and I would love to have you there on my live show, which is called So I Meant to Ask You. It will be every week on the Stereo app at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Download the Stereo app, put it on your phone. It's really cool and different. And follow us, let it out, at stereo.com slash Katie Dilla. It's just me. <laughs> the link will be in the show notes. And again, I really love this app and I'm going to be on there a bunch. So I hope to see you there this week. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's our guest from last week, Madeline. And, you know, there'll be a special guest every single week. You never know who it's going to be. So join me. Follow Camilla on Instagram if you're not already. And you can follow me. I'm at Katie Dalebout and Let It Out. It's Let It Out with three T's. Couple announcements. Our next semester of Creative Underdogs, which is my membership for people who listen to the podcast. It's for, you know, tender, gooey, build people who want some support. I call it a supportive group and we get together a couple times a month. Once we do a theme call, I call it like a Dharma talk where I talk about what I'm learning in real time and we all kind of share how we're feeling. And then we meet another time for a creative co-working session. So it's a virtual co-working session. We do two Pomodoros together, which is a productivity technique. And we all go around and say what we're working on. And then we're super productive and we take a break together and we do one more. And then a third time in the month, we meet for an artist conversation where I have one of my friends, a past podcast guest like Camilla or Christine, come on the podcast, come on the Creative Underdogs session. And we have a conversation with them and then you you and creative underdogs get to 
chat with the artist. So there's also a group and small groups and people working on, you know, if someone was starting a coffee shop last semester, someone was, we had many painters, we had a yoga instructor, we had people doing all sorts of things. So you can bring your creative project there to ripen. So if you have any questions about that, the link is in the show notes. If you want the show notes delivered right to your inbox, feel free to leave your email and then that way you don't have to be unsafe while you're driving or trying to take notes. If you have any other questions, let me know. I'm around. I love you guys. I'm so grateful that you're here, that you're listening. I would love to connect to you more in any of those places. Feel free to DM me or comment or come to the Stereo Show. You are great. Thank you to Camilla for doing this. She's so cool, right? She's really, really special. She's warm, actually in the best sort of a way cool and warm okay that's it i will speak to you next week